Hello, and welcome to Gilead. I'm Rebecca, one of the pastors here. I'm glad you found us. So as all you liturgy queens out there know, it's Lent, and our theme this year is punks not dead. But Gilead's idea guy, G-X-Y, Vince Amlin, had one, an idea, for a crossover episode with February's shorty series, Key Change. Put the two together and you get, oops, all drops. Confused? Don't worry. That's kind of how it always is. A little strange and hopefully, at least by the end, a little familiar. Preaching us across the Ashen Bridge, it's Vince from February 26, 2023. Almost as soon as we chose Key Change as our theme for February, someone on staff sent around an article about the demise of the Key Change in popular music. The guy who wrote the article listened to every number one hit for like the last 70 years and wrote about the trends, one of which was the rise and fall of the key change. Of course, whenever I received the link, I didn't actually read that article. <laughs> I just read the headline and made up a story about it in my head. And it was a story of loss. It was a story that took me to a dorm room at NYU circa 1999. I had the ladies of hip hop up on my dorm room wall. I was 18 and living in a closet I shared with two other guys. We were all students at the School of the Arts. So of course, like a big part of our entertainment was sing-alongs in our room. My roommate Greg and I would do our rendition of Brandy and Monica feuding over a man and the boy is mine, circling around each other like tigers in a cage, taking turns, apologizing to the other one who seemed to be confused. Or we'd sing through the raunchy parody Greg had written to the Rodgers and Hammerstein medley his high school choir had done the year before. So that still every time I hear anything from like Oklahoma or Sound of Music, the words going through my head are absolutely filthy. Yeah. Right? I considered singing part of it here and I chose not to. You're welcome. Um, but the main event, the thing that people, you know, would walk down the hall for was singing along to Whitney Houston. Greg frequently with hairbrush in hand and the crowd waiting on his signature move. When at the climax of the song, say the key change and I will always love you, he would make a fist, get it ready. And at the exact most dramatic, joyful, yearning moment, bang it on his chest and fling it back into the air with a flourish that I am failing to capture. But he has like kind of Muppety arms, <laughs> which I guess I do too. So, you know, pot, pot and kettle. Uh, but that motion perfectly captured the explosive beauty of that moment. It was so ubiquitous also in his routine that when I wrote him uh, this week to ask him like, what songs did you pound your chest to? He simply wrote back, oh sure, everything. <laughs> For me, that gesture was a key change embodied, impassioned, showy, over the top, an overflowing of emotion in the music and in the room that needed somewhere to go, that needed to go up to a different key, to a different stratosphere, a moment that combined the force and violence of banging your fist on your heart and the soaring elation of an arm flung wide into the air it was the epitome of music you could feel, joy you could see. And when I read that headline of that article that I didn't read about key changes, I was sad because that had all gone away. Music had become less joyful, less powerful, less full of drama, which maybe if I had even taken a moment to consider, I would have known was not true. 
And when I did finally read that article, I realized it wasn't about loss at all, just change. Yes, key changes had crested and receded, but that wasn't because people had stopped looking for those chest pounding moments in music. They had just found other ways to get them. Music is being written differently for different instruments. Doesn't matter, go read the article if you care. But the point is, of course, those moments still exist. They just sound different. If I had taken a, even a moment to think about it, I would have thought of the dance party period of the pandemic. And my daughter, Nola, would take breaks from doing kindergarten on Zoom, and we turn the music all the way up. And for a few months after I introduced the concept to her, all she wanted to hear was songs with like the biggest, nastiest beat drops. And how as the build would begin, she'd go into her kind of cool kid, wallflower, low-key dance that she likes to do, like barely moving any part of her body. Is this, this seems like this part's working. Uh, letting the music grow more and more insistent even as she would move less and less as we got closer to that explosive moment until everything dropped out for a beat or two and we were completely still holding our breath. And then it hit and she was jumping and flailing and galloping and flapping pure elation, every bit as powerful and joyful as a key change, just different, not dead, transformed. The Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh, cool kids call him Tay, calls it the concept of no birth and no death. Consider the cloud, he says, when your favorite cloud is no longer there, you are sad, which to be honest is not a sentiment I had actually experienced, but I sensed that maybe he was talking about something else. The cloud, he says, doesn't really go away. A cloud never dies, it becomes rain. And the cloud is in the rain and the rain falls to the earth and is gone, but the rain doesn't die. It becomes tea and the cloud is in the tea and you drink the tea and the cloud is in you, your body he says is 70% cloud, which always gets a big laugh at the meditation retreat. And in every version of the story, I've heard him tell he skips the part where the cloud becomes piss and just goes right back to it being cloud again. But the point is the cloud doesn't die, it's transformed. And I know you're like, no shit, we're familiar with the cycle of like condensation, precipitation and evaporation. Like we took fourth grade science we get that the cloud has to die for the rain to be born. Well, number one, the man was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize and he deserves your respect. And number two, he says, you know, that idea that the rain, that the cloud has to die for the rain to be born, that's just the first layer of truth. That's how things look on the conventional level, which is a sick burn on you. On a deeper level, is this, I probably shouldn't set it up as like an, Enmity. Okay. <laughs> Consider the wave, Tay says. It rises and falls. It is bigger or smaller than other waves, more beautiful or uglier, which is not a way I really have thought about waves, but I suspect he's talking about something else. And on the right, nice. I feel a little troll. <laughs> 
on the surface, he says, the wave lives and dies. It crests and recedes. And when I, who love the wave, see it die, I suffer. But there's a deeper truth. The wave is not really a wave or not just a wave. The true nature, its true nature is water. When my mind only touches the surface, I see waves rising and falling, being born and dying. But when I touch the deeper level, I see water unending, undying, no birth, no death. If I chart the rise and fall of key changes in number one hits, I can draw the graph like a wave, the shape of almost anything at all. But if I touch the deeper level, that chest banging, yearning, that arm flapping, joy, it keeps going. No beginning, no end. There's a story one that we're supposed to tell at the end of this season of Lent, not today on its first Sunday, but that's just the kind of rebels we are. Am I right? Take that year A of the revised common lectionary. You're not our mom. We will read Luke 19. Or like, I'll tell it vaguely right now. Uh, it's the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and a crowd gathers along his route and they're tearing branches off trees for him to walk on. They're tearing off their clothes and throwing them in the dust at his feet and singing scripture to him at the tops of their lungs. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. It's a song with seven key changes. The biggest, nastiest beat drop the world has ever heard. And some of the religious officials get angry or get scared, maybe because it's a teeny bit blasphemous, or maybe because it's dangerous to declare someone a king when you're living under occupation in the Roman Empire, but they pull Jesus aside and they try to chastise him over all of that noise. Tell them to stop. And he tells them, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. In other words, you're looking at the surface you're on a conventional level. You think what's happening here has just been born and you think it can be killed, but what's happening here is part of the true nature of things. You think this is a wave, but this is the water that you swim in. If you silence one voice, another will rise up in its place. And yes, he's talking to those religious leaders, but he's also talking to the crowds over their shoulders, the cheering ones saying, you think a movement is being born here. You think a new king is rising. And when you see him die, you will think it's over. You will be sad. You will suffer. You are cheering now. But by the end of this week, you will be silent. And the rocks will have to quake and roll with the truth. You think this is a story of rising up. And soon you'll think it's a story of falling down. But that's just the surface. Go deeper, touch the water and see that there is nothing else but water. There are no religious leaders and no stones and no branches and no clothes and no you or me, no birth, no death, only this vast sea of love that we have forgotten we are part of, unending, undying. Remember, 
I didn't know I was preaching about death. I thought I was preaching about key changes and beat drops, like fun shit. I thought I was preaching about change and continuity, about form and content. Even when Thich Nhat Hanh said that thing about being sad about your favorite cloud going away. Even when I remembered that our theme for the next seven weeks is punk is not dead. I thought I was preaching about transformation about irrepressible joy that cannot be held back or held down, about dorm room sing-alongs and pandemic era dance parties, not fucking death. And if I would have known, if I had figured it out in time this week, I would have changed because someone I love very much is dying right now. Or maybe not, We're, we might be starting her on hospice care tomorrow because she's never going to be able to eat or speak again. Or maybe yesterday she drank from a straw and whispered, wow, when my sister-in-law told her that her grandbaby had slept through the night. She has certainly been transformed and so have all of us. Our lives will never be the same again and we may in fact lose her. Even this week, we could lose her any moment, which is true of everyone, of course, graph any life at all, and that's the shape of it, a rising and a falling, at least on the surface, at least if we believe we are waves, clouds, rain, tea, people, individuals. If I believe my mother-in-law is just that sweet, beautiful woman with her newly crooked smile, then I will lose her. When I go deeper, when I touch her true nature, I know that she and I and you and Greg and Nola and Tay and Jesus and all there is and ever was are part of a great sea of yearning, joyful love that is and was are in fact illusions, that we are part of the one who was before, is, and will be after, was. Friends, this is Lent, a season that begins with remembering our death and ends with remembering our resurrection, but it's also a season for touching down in our true nature, for remembering who and what we are beneath the surface. Yes, you are dust, and to dust you will return. You are a wave, small or large, rising and falling, but you are also water flowing in a sea of the stuff. You are love swimming in an ocean of it, unending, undying. Remember.